Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live outrage. from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time about. for Mortgage Matters. Three games, three homers. <laughs> All right, everybody, good morning. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Happy April. It's our our first show with 40 year old dan <laughs> now it's our second no it's me and 40 year old dan right <laughs> ah it's raining it's gray it's a perfect day for radio right cozy up with your favorite blanket and get ready for some exhilarating radio yeah it's also another one of my favorite weekends of the year Oh? It's yard sale weekend in Morro Bay. Oh, that's terrible driver weekend but, with like <laughs> double parking, U-turns, wrong way traffic. But the rain seems to have... Uh, Put a damper. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to go for the pun. I it. <laughs> Dampened, Dampened the enthusiasm yeah. a little. Yeah, it has. There weren't. I didn't see the, the yard sales happening, but I think it's supposed to clear up here this afternoon. So, I don't even think it takes that long to clear up. It should be like during the done show. raining. <laughs> wow, during the show, that'd be perfect. Yeah, as soon as the show ends, the sun will come out. All you guys can drive to Morro Bay to do the citywide yard sale. There you go. They used to do one in Big Bear when I was a kid. It was a big deal, and you could get some good stuff too because so many. Well, I guess Morro Bay is similar. So many second homes. Yeah. So people like, especially if they buy a house and they have all of the furniture to unload. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. It'll be fun. Are you going to go yard selling? No. What are you looking for? Nothing. Nothing? <laughs> I'm not. Are you going to sell anything? Nope. No. Oh. I feel like I remember you having a yard sale at your house on like a 4th of July or something. Or was that just because we put so much stuff in the front yard? <laughs> I think that was just uh, <laughs> setting up for a holiday. <laughs> I think it was a yard sale. <laughs> Fair enough. Wow. Well, exciting. Yeah. Baseball season. Mm-hmm. It's been fun. I was going to, I meant to ask you if you had any interest in going to an Angels and A's game. I do, but they're happening all right now. There's one tomorrow at one. Uh, A little day tripper. Hmm. Have to see. Yeah. It's fun to be back. Pretty excited to be here. You and Mike did the show last weekend. Yeah. How was that? It was good. What'd you do last weekend while you had the day off? Um, well, I ended up camping in Big Sur. Oh yeah, yeah. But I stayed. Right. Um, we just we had our uh, first Babe Ruth baseball game. And I'm co-coaching. Opening and, day up in Atascadero. Huh? Yeah. Nice. And so, I mean, truth be told, I didn't really have to be there until after the show would have ended anyway, but it was just nice to not have to race down here to race back there to get everything all set up. So. And do they do all the opening day festivities? And 
They punted on that because that was supposed to be a couple weeks ago and it got rained out. So then uh, it just kind of turned into, all right, well, just go. Here's a game. Okay. Which I thought was great. I was really <laughs> fine with that. I've been to so many Little League opening ceremonies. I'd uh, Oftentimes, I, I just wish we didn't have to do it. Happy to not have that. I did, however, miss the uh, team picture, though. Uh, but whatever. It's all trade-off, big trade-off. That's right. I was excited to talk to you today about the market. Yeah, it's pretty... Did you see that the Dow went down a little bit yesterday? A little bit, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was down. It was a roller coaster ride this week. A lot of tariff talk, which seemed to be driving the volatile trading. Right. Tariff talk, definitely a part of it. Um, at the same time, I think we're just settling into this pattern where the stock market has been um, kind of making investors uneasy. We're getting these little corrections, and it's, you know, I think just due to the news cycle, if you look at any of the financial websites, then you see the article. I was reading, I woke up this morning and I was reading one, I think it was on Market Watch, that was saying, you know, some guy that's smarter than you is predicting that the Dow could go down 40% in the next year. And here's why. Three scenarios in which it could happen. It was kind of interesting. Um, it, I see the look on your face. Dan is shaking his head incredulously with a little smirk that is like... There's no reason why. I mean, there's... I didn't find this. Uh, <clears throat> let me see if I could find this because I'd love to... Um, kind of regurgitate the the couple of uh I just, scenarios in which the 40 percent drop could happen yeah. and i'll tell you what i i agree with you i think it's just um it's kind of fear-mongering it's also just getting something out there to right. get some clicks yeah i had a i had a news deadline i had to get an article in by sure so i wrote this one <laughs> um so the the one i won't bore you with all of the scenarios but um you know, the first one is just the abrupt crash, that you could have a crash that was like 1987's Black Monday, yada, yada. The second one was the one that I thought was maybe a little bit more credible. It said it's based around a cyclically adjusted price-to-earnings ratio, which compares stock prices to the corporate earnings over the past 10 years. Currently, the S&P has a... CAPE is the abbreviation they give that cyclically adjusted price to earnings ratio. Currently, the S&P 500 has a CAPE of 31.88, a rate that is eclipsed only by the dot-com era and nearly double the mean reading of 16.8 going back to the 1880s. So going all the way back to the 1880s, been tracking what the values of the stocks are compared to the 10-year earnings ratio and looking at at where that tracks and that we're double it. And the only time that we've ever been higher than we are now is at the dot-com. And so kind of just making that case, just a little bit of substance there, you know, kind of yeah. looking at some market data, looking, I mean, it, for years though, we've talked about that the price per earning ratio and how that's just been essentially tossed out of any logical evaluation of stock whatsoever. People don't seem to pick on that. Uh, price to earnings ratio anymore, right? Yeah, 
Maybe some folks do. I don't. Seems I like guess the market as a whole has bucked that trend. My disagreement comes from just looking at the general economy and you know the strengths and weaknesses that I see in the different economic numbers. I don't follow the technicals on the stocks too much. That's not really my wheelhouse. So yeah, I mean, sure, that sounds relevant. And the third scenario that he cites basically just says is that the prospect of a recession coming in the next two years, and then just logically during a recessionary period, large corporations would have generally have revenue declines of twenty to thirty percent. In which case, their stock should stock follow, and then you would have twenty to thirty percent drops. And I think we've already <coughs> had a ten percent correction, haven't we? Yeah. So maybe that gets you to the 40 that this cat's talking about. Um, I don't know. You know, it's it's fun it's fun to watch and and I know. get that. I follow along with that 10-year cycle. That's that's the cycle we talk about in real estate <clears throat> as far as real estate appreciation goes a lot, but we're also coming off of a recession that's not like most recessions. It's not this small little slowdown in economic activity it was a crash really was what it was and so coming out of that a full-on crash but the recovery was almost equally impressive right so is it so just given that that was what we're coming out of do you still does the 10-year cycle still still follow Hmm. you know it's not i'm a broken record man you're gonna set me off into my loop here of no it's totally different this time I think it's completely different. Um, rents have outpaced um, inflation. We have a housing shortage that we've not ever seen before. Uh, I was reading an article this week that said that the uh, home ownership rate is the lowest it's been since 1963, which, what does that mean to you? More and more people are renting. Right. And... Uh, you know, not only that, but we know from the new construction numbers as well as, you know, our, our need as a nation for housing that we're well under, uh, what we need to be. And then, Hey, look at the headlines lately seem familiar. We've got, you know, we see these new news articles lately about how we have the mass exodus from California, the, the middle class taken off. Um, those things tell you that we know that there's a, there's a whole lot of pressure on that. Uh, and to ice it all, we'll just sum it up also by saying part of the, the depth of that last recession, one of the reasons why it cut so deep was because too many people had weird loans that they couldn't afford where there was some sort of change out on the horizon, right? Right. So you couple that up with lost home value. You say, I bought this house for 500000 now it's worth 400000 now it's worth 300000 Problem is, I have an interest-only loan, I have a second, I have a balloon. I didn't I put been... any money down in the first place. So what am I doing? <laughs> I may right. as well, you know, and then it, and if you knew a lender, you talk to a lender and say, well, yeah, if you do a short sale or a foreclosure, you could be buying a new house in two to four years. Talk to any realtor, hey, will this house be worth $500,000 again in two to four years? No. It won't. Well, in hindsight, we know it got pretty close to that. But so it it created this environment in which people just said, ah, I'm out. Well, today, let's talk about today now. We all know what happened. Let's talk about today now. 90% of people, 30-year fixed. 95% of people made a down payment. Right. Um, 
hundred percent of those people fully documented income and assets. Yeah, <laughs> and they're looking forward, going, "Hey, you know what? My, I'm I'm pretty good with my house payment, especially if you bought a few years ago, right? You got you got some Prop 13 keeping your tax base lower than it would be if you bought today. You got a three percent thirty year fix, three and a half percent, four percent. What do you got? You have a good loan, unless you were sleeping through that recession. Most people got into a fantastic loan at some point. And what's it going to take to give that up? You're not going late. The guy that rents next door to you, he's paying more rent than your mortgage payment in a lot of cases. So even if you had a little bit of a recession, if you had a market correction in the value of real estate, say it plateaus and declines five or 10%, I don't see right now how that's really possible, but just say it does. Um, you wouldn't be quick to throw the keys away. You got a great loan. You got a great house. You have a, your loan is totally predictable. You know what it's going to be until you retire. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just, I don't see it from that standpoint. And then at the same time, um, you know, I'm sitting over here kind of hoping the stock market goes down 40% because I'm not. You know, and granted, I'm rooting against the guy that's 65. <laughs> right. I'm young enough that I would love the opportunity to buy a lot more stock at, you know, 15, 15, 20, 30% <laughs> less than it is today. I want to see my IRA, you know, have that purchasing power right now. It feels expensive. Well, your so your argument against a potential recession, a potential 40% decline in stocks, your, your argument against it is primarily real estate based which i i subscribe to everything you're saying i believe it i'm on board and i too don't think that a real estate related recession is likely it sounds like this thing that you're reading is talking more about stock valuations being kind of absurd and you know likening it more to the dot-com era where there's just exuberance over i mean that one was about technology and about you know this all the dot coms. The, this one, I don't know what really the excitement's about other than we finally can invest our money in something. <laughs> you know what's so funny, Dan? I, I clipped, you know, I cut and paste my stuff all week long. I don't do the newspaper stuff. Um, so I keep this running kind of rap sheet of the things that I'm interested in talking about on the show. This was under the under the headline of you know, what's going on with interest rates. And we can talk a little bit about that in a minute, but it it fits so well here too. Market levels are based on expectations as well as actual events. I think that's a big part of it is that, you know, everybody knows that rates are going up. The feds have been talking about rates going up. We saw a unanimous decision to hike last um, meeting all these things, we know that we're in an increased environment. Yet this week, the bonds came down. Interest rates improved a little bit. The stock market helped that because of some completely unrelated trade war stuff. But but there again, Friday's jobs report fed right into it. So when you look at that whole thing, it's about that idea about the expectation is almost worth more than the actual events today. Yeah, I think if anything, the the reason we saw rates actually improve ever so slightly after the fed announcement was there was probably a hedge in there built in there against potentially a a half a point hike or you know maybe some language in the testimony that they might go faster than we expected or something (laughs) i clip one of the things i clipped talked about the you know it was an article saying that um the feds might have to actually act more swiftly 
now that some of these metrics are reading the way they are, they might end up having to do not only four rate hikes this year, but also maybe a half a pointer somewhere. And that's whoa. See and that then at the that s- was built into the market leading up to that meeting, but then they kind of came out with the the mainstream you know expectation of yeah we're still doing three to four. And then this week, the St. Louis Fed president James Bullard was on record saying he he would like to see a pause in the rate hikes. Okay. And is so that because yeah, I saw that too and I wasn't sure is that because of this this other stuff that you know is going on with China or is it I mean it's got to play into else. it, right? You got to know that that's potentially going on. You know, at the same time as I look at what's going on, you know, and, and we've cozied up right here to the fact that you know, for doesn't really matter too much about the scenario. I got to call the average 30-year fix this week's about 4.5%, okay? And if we hike rates three more times, two more times at least, maybe three more times this year, potentially four, I guess, that's going to put the 30-year fix at 5%, maybe a little bit more. So then what? You know, then can the economy withstand that? Does everything, is everything moving and flowing? Is money, you know, we spent so much time trying to thaw a market out. Would we be, would we be good as an economy at that level? And I think that's probably just part of the question. Nobody knows the answer to that. And if so, are we sustainable at five and a half percent? Are we sustainable at six percent? You know, um, there's a lot of information out there right now. If you want to get depressed, go start reading about the level of debt that we have, not only on the federal level, but you know, lots of other even the st- consumer level. Yeah, it's all over the place, and the sure debt's that that's at a record high. Debt's too. expensive, right? So we see some of these things in the economy where, yeah, debt, household debt's at an all-time high again. Crazy, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want household debt at an all-time high. If you're forecasting that you might be within two years of another recession, because what happens in the recession, you know, you you got trouble repaying. Now, I assume and believe that most household debt is mortgage debt, which largely is fixed, at least based on yeah today's a lot of mortgages. The, a lot of the household debt is mortgage debt. I think it makes up about two thirds of it, but that other third. I'd venture to guess that almost all of that's variable rate debt. <clears throat> that's credit card debt. That's your... Yeah, you got a lot of auto loan in there that's probably still going to be... Probably um, fixed, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fixed, but yeah, credit card stuff? I mean, and what? You already saw... I still get the things in the mail about, hey, open up this Discover card, you know? You don't have an American Express card. That was the one um, good thing about the recession was not getting that stuff in the mail. It was bad. But it's back. It's back. <laughs> and it's back, um, you know, with a vengeance. But you're not seeing 0% offers, are you? No. Look at the TV. Maybe like a balance transfer. Yeah, like for six months, months, 12 months, yeah. something to try to get you over there knowing that you have 30 years worth of minimum payments on the line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if you're that normal guy that just pays the normal minimum payment, you're going to be paying until you're dead. Um, that's why they're trying to lure you over there. But same thing, cars. Let's think about the auto business. A, I don't think they're advertising super heavy lately. 
I don't see a ton of auto stuff like I used to. Um, and I don't see the get 0% or $5,000 cash back or whatever. You don't, I don't see a lot of that. It's like they're more talking about how awesome the car is by J.D. Power and Associates and less about the financing offer. Yeah, there's a lot of I've seen a lot of news about that lately that last year was like the big year for auto replacement. And this year, auto sales are really down because last year they think a lot of people made their moves. Remember, we had talked about how there were it was the age of autos on the road was was a pretty high number right? Um, because of the recession. People were limping oh, their cars along that, a little longer lended, than normal. <laughs> that lent itself to the cash for clunkers program. Right. Remember that? And so last year was the big year for the, the replacement vehicle. And this year, the auto industry is kind of hurting a little bit. So maybe they're just, yeah, they're, they're hurting. They know well, it's not going to be a good year. They're not spending on the advertising. I think anymore, too. Like, you remember when... We, my parents' generation, our generation, grandparents' generation used to make a model. Like, you know, Dodge would make a model truck for eight, 10, 12 years. Anymore, it seems like they make a new model like every one, two, three say, years. They make a variation, they, they tweak it almost every year, it seems like. Now. Yeah. And then there's multiple companies that are essentially making the same thing. Like, if you think about like the Chevy and the GMC, they'd make like the same car with a different trim kit. You got that with Lexus and Toyota. Um, it just, it, it feels like the the auto industry is trying to get you to buy a car more often but at the same time they're so expensive now yeah, they are. it's crazy how much autos are you know you see people how oh, one of the los in the office the other day was talking about how you know he has a truck and a trailer and this is an older dude that's like basically already got a pension and is also a successful owner so he's talking about how his truck and trailer were 170 grand jeez Dude, you're going <laughs> he goes to some states you can buy a house for that still. You can buy like five houses yeah. for that in yeah. some places. Yeah. In some places. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And I thought about that for a minute. I'm like, dang, 170 grand? Wow. Hope you don't like getting a wreck, man. You could lose a lot all at once. Yeah. I guess it's all insured anyway, so whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, break time. You should do Let's that, do I suppose. I had to look over my shoulder here for the yeah. clock. I'll move the clock over to the middle of the console here. In a <laughs> there we go. That'll work. I just look down and I just see the spot where the clock used to be. Yeah, we need to move that back. I don't know who made that decision. All right. Well, when we get back, we do have lots to talk about. Um want to talk about that jobs report. We can talk about interest rates and... Oh, handful of other things. So let's go ahead and take a break here. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. We have a new spot on the commercial rotation now. We do, yeah. Perfect. I, I don't know that I've heard it yet. I'm excited. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here and be back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. 
With trade wars escalating, the market is seeing some serious volatility. Are you nervous? With banks not paying anything on their CDs, where can you put short-term funds for decent growth? Look no further than Century Financial Consultants. We have a new five-year guarantee product paying 3.6%. This product is tax-deferred unlike a traditional CD, and your rates won't change like an indexed annuity. You're guaranteed. Contact Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 324-7914. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. And we go down the bottom of the seventh. The Cubs leading three to nothing. All right! As a kid, you know, we had all of what, 15, 20 channels on the TV. And for whatever reason, WGN was one of them. So you oh, got to yeah. watch a lot of Cubs games. Oh, yeah. It's weird. Now you have like now you got million like So many channels. <laughs> yeah. And accompanied only... by apps and other devices and, and things. And the crazy <laughs> thing is, is you've 
only watched about 15 of those channels. Right. So. Yeah. And I still watch the things that I, I've always liked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I have dish at my house mm-hmm. and you can make a, you know, I make like a favorites yeah. guide, right. To go through and just eliminate like everything. I QVC, mm-hmm. you know, channels that are in languages. Yeah. I don't, speak or comprehend so i just i i just go through and i just whittle this thing all the way down and then of course i'm like well since i'm getting so picky i'm like i'm not watching anything in standard definition (laughs) ever again so that's out yeah so i get down to the end of this thing it's like you got to scroll through a thousand channels worth of things to get down to this list that's like Mm-hmm. 24 channels and then yeah. of that i mean how often am i really turning on animal planet it's yeah. gotta something's really gonna <laughs> yeah yeah i was gonna they're gonna have to actually find Loch Ness for me to like tune <laughs> and yeah. watch one of those yeah. so yeah that's yeah, fun that's though. crazy huh and then yeah 100 bucks a month yeah i know not cheap some for internet some for cell phone mm-hmm. it's crazy yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. And it's all just beaming the Wi-Fi waves right into our brain, killing us, too. <laughs> Great. I sit here thinking, like, someday they're going to figure out this a la carte li- channel lineup thing, but they'll still find a way to make it cost 100 bucks a month. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I just want the one where there's just, like, a meter. Like, just let it be, let it be, like, a dollar an hour or something. For whatever you're on, and then it would just go to the the content that you're watching, right? This would be great. So if you're like, I'm tuning in the Dodger game right now, and you do you watch that for four hours, it's like the Dodgers are going to get four bucks from you. And then if you are watching a show that upsets you for whatever reason, and you change it, and you go to another one, it's like, oh, well, I guess you guys shouldn't do that. You just lost that revenue. It'd be great. There you go. It's never going to happen. Yeah. It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Somebody, takes, got, somebody takes the knee again, you know, during the football. Oh, wow. Guess I don't need to watch that anymore. Whatever. Whatever it is, you know. Or if you yeah. like that. Yeah. So then you're like, well, I'm tuning yeah, in. Yeah, this yeah, guy's yeah. doing yeah. what I like. Yeah. I mean, I want to support that. That would mm. be great. Yeah. But no. Yep. Anyway. Was looking this week. Uh, I'm fascinated by. Um, I'm fascinated by this president. Are you guys fascinated by this president? Fascinated. I don't know if that's the word. I you think. are though. It's like a. It's like a. A train wreck. I was gonna say. It's, I was gonna say car accident. Well, you gotta yeah, look. I think, you gotta see what's going on. And sometimes, like if you if you can be. Like me, I, okay. I want to. I want to see the thing, and I want to try to approach it with an open mind. Is this is this a good move for us? Is this a? Do I agree? Uh, so I found myself going down the wormhole this week of the Amazon thing. Are you tracking? Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump doesn't love Amazon. Okay, um, it's multifaceted. Some of it I understand. Some of it I don't. Um, it's a few different angles here. One is. The sales tax problem, right? Um, I don't think many of us, regardless if you're a Democrat or Republican, I don't care. I don't think you like local retailers being chased out by something like Amazon that you just can't even compete with. Let's be honest. I mean, 
you see things on Amazon that if you could go find even in a big box retailer in town, you could get it cheaper on Amazon and they're going to send it right to your doorstep like the next morning. It's pretty crazy. So what you have is, um, I don't know, think of the thing, um, even sporting goods stores, bookstores, whatever, whatever you want to think of. Think of a local retailer that used to be here that got squeezed initially by big box, but now we're seeing big box get squeezed by online retailers, right? So anyhow, you don't like to see the actual jobs and businesses and revenues go out of your little town here, but it's so convenient. They're so big. Um, Amazon the part about the taxes thing, I can kind of get down with that. I agree. I want everyone to have to pay taxes because the local retailer definitely does, right? You can't get out of paying your taxes. There was a big stink a little while back about Amazon who did start charging state income tax where Amazon is the fulfiller. But if it's fulfilled by a third party, which I think is usually the non-prime order that you make, you know, it's fulfilled by some other company, even in California, selling you a good. They won't demand the tax be collected. Um, they don't automatically collect it the way they do every single time if they fulfill. So I see that. I'm like, that's a disadvantage that it, to the local retailer that I don't like. I um, think we need some reform in that way. Just level the playing field for everybody. Those online companies are big lobbyers. They know how to keep things slanted in their favor, and they, they have for a long time. Uh, so th- that's one of them. The other one was, of course, this post office thing, right? What it's been a couple years since the post office has been delivering, delivering for Amazon now. Used to be FedEx and sometimes UPS, but now it's a lot of the time it seems like it's coming by way of the post office. Um, so Trump is like, dude, the post office is losing billions of dollars and you're all paying for it. Um, half truth. The post office is a losing model, right, as a whole. And it's definitely not Amazon that's driving it into the dirt. A little, little, little bit of research will show you that the post office has long been charging about half of what it needs to charge to even just break even because of their pension problems. Yeah. Well, this was well before Amazon started using them so much. Um, so, yeah, they get a bulk discount, right? Amazon qualifies for bulk discounts. Like so any sh- other bulk shipper. Exactly. So they're paying less than you're paying, which is also still not the like the rate that needs to be charged, but no one's paying the rate that needs to be charged. We all him and haw over the price of a stamp. Well, that needs to be charged to pay for these pension costs Correct. that they're funding. Just calling it but just the for true... the actual shipment of packages, that part is sustainable. But it's a private enterprise. That's they, It's a funny thing, right? This is another one of these pseudo-government agencies. And they have to go to Congress to get like a a rate increase for anything, right? But they operate at a negative because of the overall cost. So you call it whatever you want. If it's fuel, tires, you know, adhesive for the stamps goes up, whatever it is, pensions is their big one. They have a crazy pension bill. 
running at a deficit because of that. But it's like if if you wanted to go in like Mr. Business Guy, our president, was going, I'm fixing I'm fixing the post office once and for all, it would come out the other side that like, okay, in order to break this whole thing even and still honor these pensions and pay all the overhead, a stamp is ninety five cents and shipping a box is double. Um, that wouldn't go over very well, would it? No one's going to love that, but that's probably really what it needs. So unfortunately, the flip side of the coin is we're just like basically saying that the post office who's, yeah, it's all on our back anyway. Um, It's not solely related to Amazon, but they're easy to kind of point out, right? They're like the primary, I don't know, maybe not. I I feel like in my heart now, they're such a big shipper that I want to say they're like the primary client, but I'm guessing they're primary. It's not based on any fact whatsoever. So that's the big deal. Um, And then otherwise, there's other things about, you know, compliance with, you know, drugs or herbs, other things that Amazon's kind of walked a fine line with through the years. But uh, point being, they're getting talked about now. Amazon stock didn't help the stock this week. Um, kind of an interesting whole set of circumstances. You think it's fair? You love it? No, it's I think it's because- clearly a political thing, like so many of the things are. Um, it's if the if the motive is to protect the mom and pop shops, then why single out one company that's impacting mom and pop shops? Why not talk Agreed. about Walmart and talk about the other big box stores? Um, you know, they're not the only bulk shipper in town using the post office. My understanding is that the post office doesn't take taxpayer funds, but at the same time, if they operate at a loss, I don't know exactly how they're funding that, but they're not, I don't know. I don't know enough about the post office. I don't know that <laughs> I care enough. It feels very political to me. Like there's a political motive behind it all. Um, so anyway. Yeah, it definitely is odd to see a president just single out American companies and make them national stories when there's other things going on, like well, it's funny you trade can't. wars and whatnot. That's what I was going to say, though. <laughs> it's funny you can't just accuse him of just being mean to China. It's oh, like, no, no. It's like he's this guy mean to anyone who he's got, <laughs> has a negative perception. He's got no limit on, you know, if he believes there's a, some sort of disparity or problem or something that needs to be addressed, he's not shy to come right out and go gunning for it. Um, it w- I don't know the answer to your question um, if the Treasury actually pays the post office or not. Sometimes I wonder... There's lots of things, though, infrastructure-type things, which I kind of chalk up the U.S. Postal Service as like an infrastructure-type of thing. I mean, highways aren't a moneymaker. Okay. (laughs) Okay, but... I mean, the same thing, though. If you... Let's say you ran a cab company, and your price per mile was a buck, and then you charged your passengers 50 cents... Yeah, but that's a private enterprise that you're talking about. This is for this is something that's been around forever for the public good, for the for Americans to be able to communicate with one another and to be able to ship but things is it, to one another. But is it irrelevant now? Possibly. There's, I don't know. There's yeah. private enterprise that now that can we're get not solely stuff. communicating through the mail. Yeah. I mean maybe it is maybe it does need to be looked at. Half differently. of the mail 
Not even half. Let's go. Let's be real here. 90% of the crap you get in the mail is solicitations sure. from companies that qualify for the bulk rate. And it's crap that you're filling up the recycle bin with anyway. Exactly. If we want to, if we're worried about the revenue, the P and L of the post office, let's talk about stuff that's unwanted. At least Amazon's delivering goods and services that are wanted. The by Amazon the end one's a tricky one because <laughs> most people love Amazon, right? So it's a, it's an attack against the like American culture right now. The dude that runs Amazon is like the richest guy in the world now. The Amazon is like, I mean, it almost has no limit. They're, they're going to keep growing and getting into other services. We were talking on the show a month ago. I was sharing with you that there was some idea that Amazon was going to try to get into financial services now since they just are such a household name. Um, anyhow, it's an interesting thing. Maybe the fix to the post office is that rather than just going after Amazon because they're just taking advantage of the post office, maybe just go, look, we don't offer bulk discounts. You don't get a bulk discount. If yeah, you but then ship do you yours, lose business to FedEx and UPS? And, you people know, that, aren't sending letters by FedEx. Well, we're, Amazon's not sending letters. Amazon sending I'm talking goods. About, I still want to just talk about the post. And maybe you can't just go. Uh, junk mail is a different thing. I am down maybe to just, just get rid of junk mail maybe altogether. Maybe you just can't go gunning for the post office because if you do something radical that does make them irrelevant, then what with the pensions? Then what? You just go to that guy that carried letters for 27 years and you're like, sorry, bud. Well, exactly. We and- couldn't agree on a way to make the whole thing work. So, And um, that's a big argument. In favor of this is that Amazon's providing a lot of a lot of activity, which is providing jobs, which is, you know, I mean, it, it does feed a lot of revenue. It's not supposed See, to be a, a profit center. The U.S. Post Office isn't supposed to be a profit center um, but what, enterprise. But why not be able to raise the price to the break even point of the operational costs of the business? Well, again, I think... And are roads really a loser? Are they? With all of your registration that you pay, and now you're paying more. If you haven't paid it this year, that's a fun one. Your registration went up. I Yeah, I feel like I use the roads more than my couple hundred bucks a year. Do you, though? I, I, so. I don't know. I, I This is just something <laughs> I'm curious about. It I know feels affordable about it. to me. It does? Yeah. It feels affordable I'm, to me, too. I'm willing to pay that registration fee. <laughs> I'm, it's, it feels <laughs> like a bargain to be able to drive places. That funds the DMV <laughs> that when you have to go there is like the worst day of your year. No way. The slow DMV is great. If you make an appointment, it's fine. No way. When have you ever waited at the slow DMV for more than like 15 minutes? I have. It's amazing. You should go to the Paso DMV. In the, DMV. World. the Paso DMV <laughs> reminds me of that like scene from Beetlejuice where they're like in the waiting room trying not to die. You could go to the Paso DMV anytime and sit there. Like I was up there last week. Luckily, I'd made an appointment, but they were pulling tickets. It was uh, over two hours if you just walked in. That's a big day. I feel like, if anything, this is a distraction to keep people not focused on what's going on with the, the tariff situation, which I think is a greater threat to our economy than Amazon. Um, 
the tariffs don't seem like anybody's in favor of that other than the president. He seems to be coming up with these ideas and counter tariffs unilaterally. Um, you know, I saw something that is ec- new chief economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, didn't even know about the latest $100 billion threat until it was tweeted or something. So, um, and then yesterday I was watching CNBC where the Treasury Secretary Mnuchin is kind of tiptoeing around whether or not this is just gameplay towards uh, what's going to end up being a very, you know, a, a negotiation with the greatest negotiator in the world on our side. And then I see the correspondent in China say that the the what is it the China Ministry of Commerce has said emphatically that there are no negotiations going on whatsoever behind the scenes. So this is all just what we're all seeing, just back and forth tariff threats. So it's just... And so the Dow finished down 570 points yesterday. Right, because if there's truly not a negotiation happening, then we're moving closer and closer towards something that's that could impact GDP um, in a negative way. And or just make make goods more expensive for Americans that are that buy things. So that's I don't know. We've got a caller on the line. <laughs> We've got Matt calling from San Luis Obispo. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Yeah, I appreciate your comments on this nice rainy day or trying to rain day. Yeah. It's a little, yeah. a little more misty than rainy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> one, one of you, I didn't catch which, which of you made a comment that said you're perfectly happy paying your, paying the uh, DMV fee. Because oh, that's you, me. You use the roads more than more than the two hundred dollars worth that you spend on the fee every year. I I feel like a two hundred dollar registration fee feels affordable to be able to, to travel up and down the state. Well, but see what that's not what finances the. Uh, the roads and what have you it's the gas tax that does that ah. so uh, so the people that drive more pay more because they buy more gas seems uh, fair the registration fee has nothing to do with that at all it's merely operational for the uh, uh for the state but the the reality is that the state is using monies from all these fees to finance its own extravagant lifestyle and the extreme uh, pensions that they have given given to the uh, state employees uh, many of the unions have incredibly high pensions and that's what that's what the co- major cause of the fiscal crisis that we're going to have in state governments all over the United States which is similar to the issue at the post office right it's that's it's largely it. pension true. related that is true uh, my comment is not meaning uh, I'm not disparaging anybody who works for the state or uh, I'm not saying that they don't deserve a pension um, my comment is uh, directed at, regarding the retirement benefits that the unions are so aggressive in, in uh, making sure that they get these immense pensions that are not available for most of the people that work in the private sector. Yeah. I have a lot uh, of family... Anyway, the the uh, registration fee is um, uh, that doesn't finance the, the roads that are in need of repair. Okay. But anyway... Keep okay. Going, guys. All Thank right. You. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Bye. Um, yeah. When did it change? I, and I, well, you you know, I mean, I'm not not yet forty, Dan. I haven't joined your club yet. 
But so I, I don't have a, a huge breadth of experience in this, but I, I feel like there was a time when the money was to be made in the private sector. That's like where you could go out and, and, and really and really be someone. And then in my generation now, I look back and I see a lot of people that got the good state job, the government job, got paid crazy good, got crazy good benefits, uh, was really, um, you know, used – I thought I thought the benefits and the the packages of those government jobs were intended to lure people away of like hey look you're not going to make as much money over here but you get good benefits this is a good it's a good career you're going to have a retirement it's a reason that you're going to make that trade and now it's like wait you you kind of hit the lottery if you can get one of those good government jobs and you you get a pretty guaranteed pay with a sweet package forever. And we're finding out now that it's very expensive. So I too have questioned this. I have most of my family is, was a state employee or state employees. Um, And so I've had very candid conversations with them about that. And I think saying that having a state job hitting the lottery is a bit of an exaggeration. I think there's still, I mean, yeah, they make a good wage. I would say, you know, my parents, you know, being supervisors of their departments and divisions and things, you know, at the ends of their career were making six figures, not high into the six figures, but making six figures. I don't know the, yeah, anyway, about that, you know, about that $100,000 mark. I don't think that think that's the lottery. Yeah, it's good, but I think there's more income potential in the private sector. Yes, they have good benefits. Those have also been cut back as time has gone on. Um, the benefits aren't as good today as they used to be. But in having these conversations, um, you know, something that makes a lot of sense to me comes up is that, well, if you don't have attractive compensation packages, what's the caliber of person that you're going to have running the state? What, you know, do you want good people, you know, highly educated, intelligent, hardworking people um, working in these jobs, or do you want people that are that? Do you want those best of the best going out and only going in the private sector because that's where you can do everything and uh, make I the agree. most money and do the best? Or do you want some of those people to also be running your state? I agree. I want it to be competitive. At the same time, too. I mean, I think the biggest thing it comes down to um, it's the retirements, and 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 I have a little bit different different viewpoint of this because there was zero people in my family that had ever worked for the government. And now all three of my brothers work for government entities, basically, you know, well, pseudo anyway, Cal fire, basically two of my brothers work for Cal fire. And I know now that they've changed a lot of the, um, and, and the biggest change came by way of how much you participate in your pension package and then what benefits you get back in return. And I, I don't know, it's, it's changed over the last probably seven years or so. So the new guys on aren't getting what the old guys used to get is the big thing. Right. But but here's the thing that that like I wonder about is how many other like do you know anybody else that doesn't work for the government that's gonna get a pension? I think there's some with large employers. It's pretty few though, right? But like my grandpa, you know? Uh, my grandpa, in fact, both my grandparents, um, 
grandfathers anyway, had pensions. They worked for a company, did good, made some money, um, had a good career. Then they had retirement. Like for you, you better do that on your own, right? You'd better figure out how to fund that on your own. You need to figure out how to either create passive income or save way more money than you're probably capable of to live out like that. Whereas, you know, some of the government employees, they can retire. Like I have a buddy who retired so sweet at 57 years old, like the prime of work. And then what? Now just feet up making good money. I'm not saying he didn't earn it. I'm not saying he didn't deserve it. I'm not saying he wasn't great at his well, job. Well, that was the contract that was signed exactly. at the time of employment. So yeah. that's what's expected and honored. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's so many different things that you could say about it. I mean, did was life expectancy the same back no. in that, you know, when, when the compensation pack, the pension packages and health pack, was health insurance costing the same amount of money no. as then as it is today? And medical advancements have helped you live longer. Right, exactly. So there's, there's a lot of things that just weren't necessarily anticipated then that, we know a reality today and adjustments have been made today. But again, you know, do you want a high caliber person being attracted to those state jobs? Um, yeah, I think it, at least, you know, like any company the you want good people at the top and just with our state, we want it run by good people at the top. So you have to have something attractive and I don't know that a hundred thousand dollars a year is the lottery by annual salary definition, it's but pretty good. But for a, the fringe benefits are certainly I mean, make it a lot better. It's more than double, almost triple, like the that median wage. Yeah, but it, but there's lots of people in private enterprise that make far more than that. Sure. So. Yeah, I it's mean, a tr- it's a tricky thing. And and like Matt said, this is something that every municipality is going to deal with in the next decade because yeah. it's stressing a lot. Um, all right. Well, there's the first hour and we never even talked about the jobs report. So uh, we got a lot to talk about in the next hour. We got about a five minute break here before we back with a whole nother hour of Mortgage Matters. And we hope that you all will stick around. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. What do you call this guy? Farrell? Farrell. <laughs> Farrell. I remember one time you were accusing me of saying the name wrong. So I was, <laughs> I was 
calling you back to that. This is such a good song. It is a good song. Yeah. You can't listen to this song and not get happy. That's for sure. <laughs> we already got someone itching to be on the air. Dan just upsetting people today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we... You're just joining us. Mm-hmm. We're talking a little bit about the post office news this week with Amazon and all Pensions that, and- which we parlayed into a general pen- state pension talk and state employee compensation and... And here we are, ready to take Ed's phone call from Atascadero. Ed, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, and uh, thank you for being on. I was listening to Matt uh, talk and, and brought up a couple of questions that I have. Uh, what I see is the unions uh, control the politicians, and then the politicians are in control of the benefit package that they vote for uh, and give the unions. So it's, it's, a, uh, it's kind of a roundabout uh, trick where uh, we're not paying the people, are not paying the actual worth of these government employees. I think they're way overpaid. They're paid above, on average, above what the average salary is in the private sector. Um, and and it's all because the unions control the politicians by paying them money, and then when the when it comes time for for uh, discussion on salary and benefits, uh, the unions say, "Well, if you don't get, grant this, we're not going to give you money to get elected again anymore." So it's a vicious circle. And because California has always been Democrat for the last thirty forty years, uh, we have super high pensions for all of the uh, all of the uh, government employees. And originally, a government employee was a, a um, from birth to death job, uh, but you usually got paid a little bit less than the private sector. I worked for IBM for 35 years, and I don't get a pension anywhere near equal to what I what I earned through my uh, lifetime. Um, but the government employee, uh, they can retire and, and get. Uh, equal to what they're earning when they retire or more. Do you think that's actually fair? It's hard to say. I'm I work I'm self-employed and I don't get a pension to look forward to. So <laughs> I'm jealous that you get a pension at all from IBM. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I I don't know. I don't know enough about it. And I tell you, my brothers are firefighter paramedics. So we talk about this from time to time. And it doesn't take long before they start saying things that I don't understand. But they got, you know, for example, they they go to mediation, right? The union goes to mediation with whoever they're at mediation with, probably government officials. And then they make a bunch of demands. And it sounds to me like they do that thing where you ask for the moon on like three, four, or five different things, knowing that there's one thing that you really want to accomplish. It's a, it's an overtime. It's a pay raise. It's a whatever. Whatever they need to do. And they, they, they end up hashing it all out to get the one thing that they really want, and they always get it. 
So I, I, I kind of, from the outside looking in, I just see it as, yeah, you get the talkers in a room and they're in there with the elected people and, you know, and then the union people, they're, they're paid to do a job to represent the people that do a real job, you know? So it's a, it's a fascinating thing to me of like the talkers working out, you know, how all the money gets spent. And I don't know that I understand. I don't, not, maybe that's one of the problems is the average person doesn't actually understand how it really works. And so there's very little accountability to it. So I've never looked this up before, but I just did. Um, I'm trying to find, and I, this is a one source. It's the first source I could find that's telling me what the median salary for state employees is. Uh, this is actually the average salary for state employees in 2015 was $56,000 per year. That's nationally? California okay. state employee. And then in, it was actually the year, it wasn't year, the same year, but the year prior for 2014, the average salary of private sector employees was about $46,000. So $10,000 less. Right. So you make more to work for the government. You get sweet do my friends that get government benefits have the sweetest benefits and then you get a bomb retirement well the goal of the of the uh progressives is to get everybody on government employee uh because they don't want a private sector they don't believe in capitalism they believe that the private sectors should be gone and only government should control everything that we that we earn or what we spend or or what we do and again, if you don't, as a politician, if you don't vote for giving the employee benefits that the unions are demanding, then the, then the unions won't pay you anymore to be reelected. And that's the crutch of the problem. At the we same time, stop that. at the same time, though, I mean, I, I appreciate your sentiment, but I got to tell you, how many of those employees of those those very institutions are Republicans that are like, oh yeah, go get me some money, get me some benefits, get me some. So at the, it, they're good jobs to get. And if you're a Republican and you go take that job, um, you you want an extra day off, you want a ten percent raise, you want a longer, you know, better retirement, whatever. So. I so how do you- I agree with you? I agree with you. That is the employee uh, desire. But what I'm saying is, when the politicians are controlled by the money of the unions, then the unions will always get what they want because the politicians. And I say this is usually 99 percent of the progressive uh, elected, which happen to be mostly Democrats. They will give the unions whatever they want. Sure. They want I, I hear you, Ed. I think you're... look at what the politicians are earning. I agree with you, too, Ed. But at the same time, you know, I just play devil's advocate here. Do you want all the firefighters in Atascadero to go on strike for the next six weeks? <laughs> that would be not good. So... You think they should be entitled to go on strike? I don't know. I mean, if they if they were in an un, un, unfair work environment or not being paid a fair wage or had their overtime stripped away or something, maybe. I don't know. Go to, the, go to Europe sometime. They have unions that, for, that control their transportation, for example, the, the trains, okay? And the unions over there go on strike whenever they want to, for whatever reason they want to, and they shut down the whole train service, all of the trains. 
I went to Europe twice now, and I've wanted to go to another country. Well, they happen to be have a stri- having a strike going on at that time. And that's what will occur eventually, because the government is being controlled by the unions who are making all of the demands. And I do not believe that unions should be entitled to pay the politicians to get their benefits. And that's all it is. It's payola. Union pays them. How are unions any different than private sector lobbyists? Than private sectors? Yeah, private Private sector lobbyists are advocating for their industries, for all, you know. If the private uh, entity cannot make a profit, then they say, well, okay, if if that's your demand and that's the way it's going to be, then I shut down. And they do that, and many of them have shut down because they would not make a profit if they raised the price. Whereas the government sector place, we're not making a profit. We're losing money on every single government. But if you're talking about paramedic, then what? I mean, that's there's a difference between wanting to ride a train to the next country versus having a heart attack and not having anybody to help you. You're talking about just one or two industries sure. of, of government. Why shouldn't that be private sector? Well, it can't be private sector. It used to be. have got control of it now. Yeah. And the politicians say, oh, that's All right. Great. So, just, Ed. Oh, yeah. We'll give you all the benefits you want. Ed, you, you win the first set here, but tell me the solution. <laughs> what do we do? We have to stop letting the unions uh, pay absolute total all control all the politicians so is there like a is there like a union building i can go throw rocks at or something how do i help you you can say okay unions are not allowed to uh force the employees to pay the union fees okay and they should be able to opt out if the union if the employees could opt out of paying the unions then all of those, as you said, conservatives or Republicans, I guess you said, uh, could opt out and not pay the union. But That's you have to. It's an automatic not. deduction just the same way as your Social Security is. That that, that got I, set up that way. That's right. And that's, that's, you know, that's pay to play. You know, pay my union or you can't work. That's yeah. what they're saying. Pay my union fee or you can't work. And that is not a fair way to make business. That's no. not a fair, pe- fair for the people. All right. Especially well, when you Ed, have, a, have an entity that is not a profit maker, it's supposed to be a social service. The government is supposed to work for us. We're yeah. not supposed to work for the government. Ed, thanks for calling, and uh, thanks for thanks for chiming in. I sure appreciate it. Now here I am, depressed. We should just get back to talking about home loans and real estate because that doesn't ever get me that bummed out. This whole dizzy, uh, we we're off topic, Dan. We're in the, we're in this ground here where we don't. I don't know. I don't know a lot about. Like you said, I'm self employed. I gotta I gotta save my own ducats here. I wish I had a union. I'd probably pay them to go get me something more. Give me a tax cut, union guy. Want some cheaper benefits union guy i don't get enough time off union guy (laughs) (laughs) we don't have that guy so let's do this (laughs) let's do this let's do this let's take a break and then when we come back let's get we'll get back let's get back in our wheelhouse 
There is this jobs report to talk about. There's some other market stuff, economic things. We can talk more about the Fed and rates and maybe even a loan program or two. What do you think, Dan? Sure. You like that? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Jim, take us to break, <coughs> and uh, we'll come back renewed and, and on topic. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. With trade wars escalating, the market is seeing some serious volatility. Are you nervous? With banks not paying anything on their CDs, where can you put short-term funds for decent growth? Look no further than Century Financial Consultants. We have a new five-year guarantee product paying 3.6%. This product is tax-deferred unlike a traditional CD, and your rates won't change like an indexed annuity. You're guaranteed. Contact Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 324-7914. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. Too often, potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is, we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure, or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All right, everybody. Yeah, the energy up. We're going to talk about crank it up right now. Crank it up. Let's get talk about jobs. (laughs) Let's get going. (laughs) Uh, Every month on the first Friday of the month, unless it's you know the first Friday comes too quick and they don't get it done. But on the first Friday of the month, we get the jobs reports, the employment situation. 
That's exciting. Um, on the Wednesday before, by the way, ADP. You all know ADP. Who you does ADP? Jim, here you go. Let's get you included. Do you have a paycheck stub around here somewhere? I do not right now. Are they in your email? Do you get a paper paycheck? Uh, no, I don't actually. I you get, get a pay stub though. Yeah, I get a pay stub. Yes. Like a, like is a ADP one? on the? Is it an ADP pay stub? Do you know? A little insignia on the corner. Mm, I can't think of it. I don't. I don't know. Go Possibly. find one. Go find one. We'll wait. We'll <laughs> yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just leave those laying around. Well, so yeah. ADP, I don't even know what ADP stands for. Do you? Accounting. Uh, data. Payroll. Payroll. Maybe payroll for the P? Yeah, I don't maybe. know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyhow, they do payroll for like some crazy, what, 90% of private enterprise it, you in know, the U.S. Could, or something? It could be because we just switched to a new system. Yeah. We just switched to a new system. Accounting I, and data, mm-hmm. accounting distribution processing. Yeah, it could be. That, what is, what is it, Dan? Point. I know you're Googling it. I'm trying, but... It could just be that it's, it's just like... Just Yeah, it could be like, <laughs> you know, yeah. Appleton, Dell, and Peters, the three guys that mm-hmm. came up with the paycheck. Yeah. Anyhow, mm-hmm. uh, ADP comes out a couple days before the job report, and because they have such a market share of private payroll... They've got a pretty good read on uh, how many jobs are created. So they get to be this sort of uh, foreshadowing announcement that the economy really does look at almost as primary data, huh? This can be this can be pretty reliable. And then at times it's a real head scratcher about how are they so far off. Um, ADP on Wednesday called for um, plus – 241,000 jobs created um, with a back month revision to the previous. Bam. Okay. 241,000 jobs. Looking forward to that. Two days later, yesterday on Friday, we learned that payrolls, we added 103,000 jobs. It's a disappointing number, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't even sound that sad about it. That's a that's like a that's a train wreck number. Yeah, but it comes off the heels of a three hundred thousand plus month. So, so that's the thing is people just sort of hired out and didn't need that next help. Sounds like they did a lot of hiring last year. But or Dan, last month, I mean. Expectations amongst economists, respected economists, were for hundred and ninety three thousand jobs. So they missed it by almost half. Um, no, I mean, we knew that February was a 300,000 job month. So anyhow, it was disappointing. Um, ADP set the stage looking for 240. You ended up with 103. Um, that's not very good. Um, the government payrolls grew by a thousand. So that's not that big of a deal. Uh, the private sector added 102,000 jobs for the month of March. Um, again, you know, it's just it's it's well below what was anticipated, and also the trend line. We've been averaging what? What's the average? 200,000 a month, probably. Yeah, I think it, for 2017 it was about 180,000. So we're below that line. Gotta know. You're quick, Dan. You're quick. Said, well, February was so good. Of course, March was going to be a little weak. Um, 
I, on the other hand, I'm going to say, ooh. Doom and gloom? Is this a shot across the bow? Doom and gloom? With the stock market going down 10%, things really volatile, Trump's ruffling the feathers of every... Everybody, everywhere. Nobody's immune. Are we in trouble? We're hiking rates. We're hiking rates. We're hiking rates at like, uh, how many rate hikes we had? Six? Since when? I don't know. Since we started hiking again. Six? Something like that. Okay. Six Six rate hikes. Um, ooh. Is it all lining up? Are we? It's like six rate hikes over a two-year period. But are we getting that? Are we finding that critical point of like? No, this is one month of employment data. Woo! I know one month of employment data. Didn't we have a really so bad a, like eighty thousand, sixty thousand higher month November or something? Or something. Yeah, I mean it's one month. You got to again. Last month was well in excess of the. Ooh. Of the 12-month average. But here we are talking about it. We got some volatility in the market. We're on the cusp of some trade wars. We got yeah. healthcare out of control. Real estate's beyond affordability. Interest rates are higher than they've been now in like how long? Eight years? They were higher two months ago. Yeah, barely. But I mean, if you look at the average over the last... Since that last, you know what, 2009 was when they were really starting to get low, low, low. But maybe. So now and now it's like, okay, well. It's fun when you do those short-term comparisons. It sounds terrible, huh? Yeah. Lowest in the last 24 months. Oh, my God. I should be like like a news cycle (laughs) article writer. I could come up with the sensational thing. Sure. You know what else? Well, you know what was good in the employment report? Hourly earnings were up 0.3%. That's nice. The unemployment rate That's stayed. very strong, by the way. That is. The unemployment rate remained at 4.1%. Um, still have lower than desired participation, but the, I, I still wonder you know, what all goes into that. The U4, which is the unemployed and discouraged workers, fell from 44 to 4.3%. The U5 which adds marginally attached workers, fell from 5.1 to 4.9. And the U6, the broadest measures, which includes workers that are working part-time due to economic reasons, not by choice, that fell from 8.2 to 8.0. The participation rate fell as well, 62.9%. Um, so yeah, like you said, that hourly earnings, um, that's the big one, 0.3% in the month. So if you annualize that out said, Hey, if every month is as good as March 3.6, that's better than inflation. Obviously that's not the annualized figure. We haven't seen, um, runs like that in a while, but it's nice to see the hourly earnings are going up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's other, if you looked at the Jolts report, that one's getting subdued, by the way, because that was Janet Yellen's big favorite. So that got talked about a lot. The job opening labor turnover. What's the, no, that's not right, is it? The Jolts. Yeah. Jobs, openings, labor force, and turnovers. Is that what it is? What's the L? I just La- made, I just make things up, and if yeah, you say it confidently enough, people just accept it. Uh, but anyhow, uh, we're seeing job, we're seeing openings, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and those kind of we're seeing jobs advertised for longer and longer. Um, finding that the the market, the labor market, is pretty tight. Nice to see that we have um, even on a month when we don't create a whole lot of jobs, we have good um, good hourly earnings increases. The average length of the work week held steady at thirty four point five. Who's working 34 hours a week? <laughs> There's some part-timers in there. That's the national average? There have got to be other countries in the world. Granted, I know there are some that are working less. Sweden, right? They work like 10 hours a week or something. But there have got to be some countries like in Asia that are looking at our 34-hour work week going, huh, weird. <laughs> Average overtime hours in manufacturing were 3.6. Below the record high, yada, yada, yada. So anyhow, that's a jobs report. I call that one mixed. You're convinced that it's just a low number because last month was so good. I don't know that I'm convinced by that, but that's a theory. I'd like to see more months beyond march to you don't, see if there any trends you don't want to place. you don't want to just immediately proclaim the blip as the new guys get ready no i'd like to see next month i venture to guess it's going to be in like the 150 to 200 range not me <laughs> i think it's going to be 70 and you should yeah. be the first in the food line all right get out there and get your bread get your rations things are going to heck in a handbasket well i'm just kidding I, I do think it's always interesting that, you know, you, you're trucking along. I never really understand this, by the way. You're trucking along. You've got these big, long historical averages where things are relatively consistent. And then you all of a sudden you have a week where ADP predicts 240,000 jobs. The economists are expecting 193,000 jobs. And then, boom, there you go, 100,000. You missed it. Missed it by a lot. Wonder how good these people are at like making predictions. Maybe they need to be replaced by people that work more than thirty-four hours a week. Maybe if you maybe if you worked forty hours a week as that predictor, that you'd be better at predicting. Who knows? Um, tax season. Taxes are due Taxes on the seventeenth. The 17th this year, because the 16th is some weird holiday I've not heard of before. The what is 15th it? is a Sunday. Monday is an odd little holiday. Um, and then, so taxes this year are due on Tuesday, April 17th. Um, this year, I believe, is when the mortgage interest deduction will change a little bit. Yeah, it will change. It goes into effect this year. It goes for your taxes this year. So if you have a mortgage that is $750,000 or less, there's no change to you. If you have a mortgage balance that's greater than $750,000, you'll only get to write off up to the $750,000 mark. If it's a newly acquired mortgage. Ah. If you had a mortgage prior to 2017 that was up to the million dollar mark, then you're grandfathered in. Um, I have an answer for you here, Jason. Yeah, Emancipation April, Day. April 16th is Emancipation Day, celebrated in Washington, D.C. to mark the anniversary of the signing 
uh, the Compensated Emancipation Act, um, which President Abraham Lincoln signed there on April go. 16th, 1862. Now we know. There we go. So cool. Are we to... having a day off too then? No, it's no. not one of our... <laughs> Not one of our days off. Dan's yeah. the Dan's the keeper of the days off. I'm actually not. We have an employee handbook. But which you wrote it. You wrote it. Not, I don't keep anything. It's it's disseminated widely through the company. Everyone has a copy. I <laughs> I have one somewhere digitally. I'm sure. I always ask Dixon. Hey Dixon, are we closed on Good Friday? Let me check. Nope. Nope. Dan, Good Sorry. Friday, buddy. Sorry. It's Good just, Friday? And then we're doing the radio show on Saturday before Easter? Well, you didn't. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, so, so when you say <laughs> we, it's kind of like when you're talking about your favorite sports team, yeah. you're like, man, we yeah. were terrible today. Like, I don't remember you out of the field, buddy. <laughs> I, remember Dan and, I remember Dan and myself being here, but I don't think Jason was here in the building last week. Hmm. But we were here in spirit. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> um, let's talk about taxes real quick, just because there's some people that are listening. Um, did you do your taxes yet, Jim? I did back in January, actually. Not a boy. Wow. Must be getting January. a refund. Must yeah. be getting a refund. Your employer's getting you a W-2 right away, huh? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Good for them. Did you get a refund? Yeah. Good. Not an IOU, but actually like some ducats that you could spend on something. Yeah, exactly. Did you spend it? Are you I part did. of the what'd you buy? <laughs> what'd you buy? New TV? Oh, I think it was just boring stuff like actually maintaining my car. There you go. Yeah. Good. There it is. So I could actually get to work. Yeah. Good. Yeah, but yeah, I did. <clears throat> um I know tax season's upon us because for the last couple of weeks I've been um helping clients and prospective clients with kind of looking at their tax situation and understanding before they file, if they're going to be filing taxes that are going to help or hurt their financing objectives. And so I, I always like to, to give a reminder of this is that um, if you're wanting to buy a home or if you need to refi a home, if there's something you need to do, taxes are required on pretty much every single loan we do. And, um, you know, there's a, there's an opportunity before you ink that thing in with the IRS that you might choose to, um, you know, take into consideration what your financial objectives are. And I always feel like I'm slimy or something when I'm saying that. So I gotta, I gotta qualify my remarks. I'm not suggesting that you are dishonest and that you, that you cook the books to qualify for a loan. What I'm saying is, you know, if you're writing off things, and I think most self-employed people, I mean, we were throwing stones at pension people earlier, right? So mm-hmm. let's get down on you self-employed people. You writing off your haircut and that dinner that you had with your mom, and you're writing off every tank of gas you ever buy that isn't even for business. I, I We know who you are. You guys, self-employed people. I, I got a phone call yesterday from somebody said, we're a local business owner and we want to buy a house. Well, we, AKA, we don't claim all of our income. And so we, you know, we need special consideration. That's what I'm talking about. If you're pushing the envelope with the write-offs that you're taking and you're depreciating and deducting everything you possibly can, maybe this year... 
or maybe even for two years, if you have a financial objective of buying a home or refinancing a home, maybe you elect to, to err on the side of not writing off every little thing, not, not choosing to, to completely minimize what your tax obligations are, because in the bigger picture, there's something else that, that is worth considering. That's what I'm talking about. Never have we ever come up with a scenario where we tell somebody to claim more wage than they actually made to qualify. That's not in the world of possible. I don't think people would even do that. Um, but you again, if you're if you're writing off too too many things, you know you're you're writing off your complete credit card bill every month, knowing that fifty percent of that stuff, if you got audited, wasn't going to fly anyway. That's what I'm talking about. Be be a little bit more like like you're deciding what your actual expenses are with the IRS looking over your shoulder. So um, we when- just helped a friend this week do that very exercise, go through their tax return, what they would need to show as income for 2017 in order to qualify as a self-employed applicant with just one year of tax returns too. That was another key because last year they were a little more liberal with the write-offs. Taking all the write-offs, right? <laughs> right. Well, taking write-offs that you don't even rightfully deserve, but you just are doing anyway. That It's a, it's a common thing. So yeah, I've been doing a lot of that too, um, just helping people. So you can look down, especially if you said, hey, here's what you would need to show as adjusted gross income if you wanted to qualify for this $500,000 house. Then you take that information back to the accountant and say, hey, Central Coast Lending says that, you know, I need to show $70,000 in adjusted gross income. And based on all the receipts I gave you, where are we? And the accountant says, well, you were going to come in at 60. Um, that choosing to not write off, again, some of those questionable things to get your play, yourself into a position of qualifying, it, it could likely make um, – without taking you from one tax bucket to another, without causing anything really significant, it's just it's an opportunity to kind of sit down and make sure you're on the right track. Obviously if you're a wage earner and you're not you don't have expenses anyway, you're not itemizing anyway, this conversation is not for you. Um usually what what this conversation for that self employed person to say, hey, consider what you're doing. Yeah, everyone wants to pay a little as tax as possible. Um there, there's a consequence to that. And so um, if any of you guys want some of that, you know, just maybe a second set of eyes to look and say, hey, if you file that draft the way you've prepared it, this is what your qualification might be. You know, the other thing that I've found happens too is that sometimes there's an opportunity for an accountant to make something an expense, like a one-time expense where you write off the entire portion or to put it into a depreciation column where it can be depreciated over time. Depreciation is is something that can be added back into your qualifiable income for purposes of buying a home. So, if you, you know, and again, that this is just the offer. If there's a having this conversation say, "Hey, if you if you had more in depreciation versus actual expenses, you could find yourself an ability to qualify. And that's where having a working relationship with a loan officer like myself and then your CPA 
um, or your control or whoever, uh, you you might be able to to have a little bit of a dream team that can help you navigate some of these things, getting you in a position to be able to buy or refinance a house, um, getting the write off of owning a house, right? You know, maybe you move some stuff from expenses over to depreciation. Doesn't even change your tax liability whatsoever. However, it affords you the ability to buy a home. Now you have a tax write off of buying a home, so you're coming out dollars ahead in the subsequent filings. That's the kind of thing that that I'm talking about. So if any of you guys are listening right now and say, you know what, that that's smart for me. I'd like to do that. And and even if you've already filed your taxes and you want to look at what it looks like for next year, give us a call. Uh, one phone number rings all of our offices. It's five four three loan. Or you can make your way to centralcoastlending.com and, and get a hold of us that way. Uh, this is, again, this is the time of the year where we're helping people with things like that. So final commercial break of the show. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, we'll do it. And we get back, we'll have, uh, oh, I don't know, another 14 minutes or so here to wrap up the episode. So stick with us after this brief break for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Do you have enough money saved for retirement? How much is enough? Let's put things in perspective. It's estimated that you'll need roughly $250,000 in retirement just for medical expenses. So think about that number again. If you need some help, talk to Century Financial Consultants today and create a complimentary financial master plan that will show you exactly how long your money will last and give you peace of mind. Give Century Financial Consultants a call today at 324-7914. That's 324-7914. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's a common myth that home buyers need to save a 20% down payment to buy a home. The fact is, we offer numerous zero down and low down payment loan programs. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Loan. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRE number 01839608. California DBO number 6054783. NMLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. A woman done 
This job is shoving. I ain't working here no more. I love this. I've been working. Johnny Paycheck? Johnny Paycheck. Is Johnny, Johnny Paycheck uh, all of his songs about working? I know, yeah, he's kind of the working man song. And I've seen a lot of good folk die, had a lot of bills to pay. I'd give the shirt right off of my back if I had the good times. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Uh, it just seemed kind of appropriate talking about the jobs and all that stuff. Took all the reason I was working for. All right, here we go. Better not try to stand in my way as I'm walking out the door. I got to text a couple people real quick. I looked down at my phone. I have mm-hmm. like 14 texts. Wow. One of them is asking how rainy it is in A-Town right now. The, my, the... The coach of the team that I'm coaching on, the two of us have to decide whether we're doing practice. And it's pretty wet. It looks wet. Yeah. It's too wet for baseball. The old Apple phone said last night wet. said it was supposed to be drying up about this time, and it's, it doesn't look like that's happening. Uh-uh. Mother Nature has her way of yeah. messing with everything, doesn't she? Well, now the old iPhone is saying it's going to dry up around noon. Hmm. I don't know. It looks like it's pretty cloudy out there still. Yeah, I'm not convinced. <laughs> yeah, I'm not either. I think it'll just kind of dry but up. But it's drizzle. It it's not up. even really rain. It's just yeah. drizzle. It was it was raining pretty good there a little while yeah. ago. I have a little better view of the puddles down below. Yeah. So, but still, it's nice. I mean, yeah, I found you're... myself outside the other day during the last storm mm-hmm. just enjoying being outside yeah, in the rain. Cool, yeah. You don't get to do that very yeah. often. Well, we can almost do that in this studio. We got this bank of windows here, man. It feels like we're right, right in the mix, in but we're staying pretty darn dry, dry for being in the, in the studio. Rain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very exciting. That's good. That means you got a good roofer here. We do, <laughs> and a good window installer, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, we've only got about 10 more minutes here. What That's else? Exciting. What else can we talk about? I think the last well i i got a good a good bit of real estate statistics here that was sent to me on behalf of wes burke of patterson realty so i think i'll share those oh i always like real estate statistics are you just on his blind mailer or is yeah he like feeding you content no no this is this is his mail list that i'm on email list he's not he's not getting the bulk mail discount with the post office um good thing. This is quarter 1 statistics here for real estate. San Luis Obispo saw a 9.2% increase in the median home price from $540,000 to f- almost $590,000 for the median home in San Luis Obispo. That's got to be I assume this is light, San Luis City. That's got to be light volume, right? Um, volume was down a 5.3% decrease. No, this must be the county. How many units is that though? Um, sorry, I'm not trying to play stump the, the I, radio. It's sorry. There's a lot of scrolling involved here. I don't see total number of units, but I do see that 36 fewer homes were sold 
in this quarter than prior. So you can do the math on what 5.3% decrease means when it's 36 fewer units. Um, but there's been a lot of listing activity since January. Over a thousand homes have been listed since January. There's currently four months of inventory on the market, which unfortunately is a little bit lower than last year when there was five months of inventory at the same time. Um, so that was San Luis Obispo County numbers, it looks like. Um, when you look at the state, it's telling a similar story. Um, wow, man, this days on market number is crazy. The average number of days a home was listed for sale in the state of California. Take a guess. Average number of days for a listing before it was sold in the state of California. For the first quarter. To go pending or to actually close? Just average number of days a home was listed for sale. Listed for sale. I would assume before it's pending. That's before it's pending. So then I'm going to say 22. 13 days. What? 13 days. I was trying to go on the high side thinking about those homes that are marketed for like the million plus dollar homes that are marketed so long. I know. That's an insanely short marketing period. <clears throat> it is. But, you know, we we don't really, I mean, being in this area, it's not, it's competitive here, but it's not nearly as competitive as some of those other bigger markets. Dude, it's nuts here right now. One of my clients yesterday, I wrote a pre-approval letter for him late Thursday night. They'd because they'd worked their office their their offer up after hours. So realtor said, "Hey, can you give me a letter?" I gave them a letter late. They submitted. So this property came on the market on Thursday. A five hundred thousand dollars house in Paso. So that's a decent house in Paso. It's, there's some that are less expensive than that. Not many. It's a good home. Um, they got so much activity. So we wrote a full price offer with like. I mean, just going for it, right? This, that's the number you want? Here you go. So, done. Sold, right? They got so many offers on day one for full price that the seller has decided to wait until Wednesday to respond to anyone. Hmm. So it's... And, and, the and crazy, then they'll probably go back for the highest and best to the top five uh, yeah, or something. Now bid against yourself. Right. Because they're not going to tell you what the number is, but... Um, that's kind of normal. Um, I've been talking about the strategy that we've been using with home buyers lately where you sell your home that you're in for uh, like a, you know, an escrow period that's like 60 days or something with a rent back. So you have a little bit of a buffer, 30 to 60 days with a rent back and then buy a new home. So, the, but it, it's going like hotcakes. You can easily sell your – like you can put an offer in on a new house. I want to buy your house, Dan. Let me buy your house. Okay. And Once then, we make a deal, I can go put my house on the market the next week and still sell below you know, the 30 or 45-day offer that I have with you. Right. It's so fast. We're going to have to hop to the phone lines. We've got one more caller. Uh, we got Jamie from Templeton. Good morning. Good morning. I was just – Curious. I just purchased a home with your help, and we, we appreciate it so much. Wonderful. But, um, I, you, there used to be in the newspaper the listing of real estate transactions. I know. I missed that, and, too. 
And I was wondering if you knew where that went, or is it online now? Or I don't uh, know. I don't know where it went. Honestly, okay. I, that's hard to obtain information anymore. I have to ask a special favor of my favorite escrow um, person to give me a report every so often. Um, I I figure it must be. Um, somewhat public knowledge because I've gotten a few letters saying congratulations on your new home, you know? Yeah, those but trust deeds, when, when new trust deeds record, they're, um, they're filed with the county recorder's office and their public record at that point. So mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. is an ability to get that information. I don't know where to easily get it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you okay. just would have to aggregate it. So you'd have to check into the recordings and keep, and keep up on it. But so... But back with one of the last, um, you know, reductions in newspaper size from the Tribune, they cut that real estate exchange, which I, too, always really liked. And I, I love that. I love yeah. seeing what the transactions were in per town and who was buying what and so forth. So, okay. Well, I thought you might know. Thank you so much. <laughs> yep. All right. Thanks for calling, Jamie. Um, so you're talking about days on market? Yeah. I was going to share a couple other other things here statewide. Um Really quickly, 60% of all homes listed for sale received multiple offers in the state. That number jumps to nearly 80% in the San Francisco Bay Area, by the way. Um, And then a third of homes for sale received offers above asking price. One third of homes in the state of California. um, That number jumps to 60% in the San Francisco Bay Area. Poised, poised for a collapse of the real estate market, right? What, right. A, what a bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Demand um, is just seems like it's fleeting. I pulled up days on mark. So I'm on Slow County Homes right now. Great aggregator of local data. Um, looking at days on market around our county. Um, days on market in Atascadero. Lovely Atascadero. 60 days. Um, Cayucas, getting ready to sell in Cayucas, brace yourself, 244 days on market. A lot of luxury properties. Dang. Paso's at 58. San Luis is at 61. So we're a little bit, we're a little bit longer around here, I guess. Yeah, but you know the reality that... That entry level or move up buyer, that middle priced home, um, those things are moving so fast, so much faster than that 60-ish day time that you're talking about. It's yeah, really it, exaggerated the, by the 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 multi-million dollar yeah. stuff that sits forever. That Edna Valley Ranch that's out there forever. The the Cambria, you know, eight thousand acres for thirty million bucks. That. By the way, I think we should get one of those and open up a new <laughs> campground, but that's a that's a whole other story. Um, oh, I just was having fun looking at these real estate stats, the list price to selling price ratios, but now we're running out of time. Those are high. Dude, 98 and a half, 99 and a half. Yeah. Uh, basically, you're going to have to pay list price in Slow County. if you And you're going to have to be prepared to close in 30 days, which means pre-approved, yep. ready to go. So we do that for you. If you want to get pre-approved, you want to get lined up to be able to have a successful real estate transaction, give us a call. The process is painless and easy, and we try hard to be relatable, non-posturing, just helpful. So if you need that help, 
Um, again, one number rings all of our offices. It's 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. We have offices all around the county um, can meet up with you and, and kind of walk you through that process, get you on track, help you have an appropriate expectation for cost and payment and savings and just get you get you in the right uh, the right property or help you with that refi that you've been trying to accomplish. So 543-LOAN or find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com. We'd love to hear from you and be able to help. Um, stay dry out there. Be safe. We'll be back next week with another live episode. So thanks much for being with us today and hope you guys are all well.